have your Bibles, open them with me and turn to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 20. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled. With the harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Another translation says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Think about what that, what that verse ahead of it says. With the harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. So we're actually reaping a harvest out of the words that we sow. And that whatever you're sowing, if you're sowing struggle, you're going to reap struggle. If you're sowing poverty, you're going to reap poverty. If you're sowing sickness, you're going to reap sickness. If you're sowing blessing, you're going to reap blessing. And how do I know that's the case? Turn to Numbers chapter 14. And this is very important because we so easily allow stuff to come out of our mouth that is contrary to the word of God. And, and it's just like a default. But we actually will reap a harvest out of the words that we sow out of our mouth. So friends, let me ask you this. What do you want to sow? Do you want to sow what God says? Or are you going to sow what the world is telling you? Are you going to sow what God says in his word? Are you going to sow what the news is saying? Oh, you know, we're going to, there's going to be a financial downturn. You know, get your money out of the bank. When people tell me, get your money out of the bank, where do you want me to put it? Under my mattress? Like, I, I don't, I don't know what, what your, your solution is, but it's always the same thing. Oh, you know, uh, we're headed for famine now. You better stock up. You know, that's, you, you can parrot the things of the world, or you could know what God says about you and be sure and convinced. You know, we spoke, I, I taught about doubt a few weeks back. Well, how do you, what, what do you do to get out of doubt? You ask God to help you. You say, Lord. Help my unbelief. I want to be sure and convinced. And the, and the Bible says that God gives generously to those who ask without finding fault. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 21. Now remember what's happening here. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background. These are the spies that went out to survey the land. And just remember what this land was. This was the promised land. It had a name, the promised land. This was the land that God promised to his people. So if you're promised to have something, you're going to have it. If God promises that you're going to have it, you're going to have it. Unless you undo the promise by sowing words out of your mouth that run contrary to what, the, what God says. Numbers 14 verse 21. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land. I promised on oath to their forefathers, no one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Are you treating the Lord's words with contempt? But because, listen to verse 24, one of the best scriptures in the whole Bible. But because my servant Caleb, and obviously Joshua was included in that as well. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit 
and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. What happened? The spies came back and reported. And what did the majority report? We can't take this land. There's giants in this land. They'll kill us. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. Complete unbelief. Complete distrust. But what did Joshua and Caleb say? Surely we can take this land. Surely we can take this land land a bad report and a good report and what happened if you read further on in the story those spies who had the bad report they died from a plague in the wilderness they didn't even get close joshua and caleb on the other hand got exactly what god said they would they inherited the land friends how are we approaching the things that come across our path? Are we approaching it like the spies with the bad report? Or are we approaching it like the spies with a good report? And I'm sticking on this point because you need to understand how important it is to speak the correct things. And in this case, to sing the correct things. Remember what I said earlier, guard your confession. You know, I used to play hockey and I remember one of my teammates, she was studying sports psychology. Sports psychology is a big thing because, you know, and obviously God already knew this, but you know, it takes science a little bit of time to catch up, but they realize the correlation between, you know, what you think, what you say, the things that you hear, the things that you speak, your confession, and therefore your performance. And so a lot of times, you know, they, they, they would do studies. If you speak, um, you know, confident words, it reflects in your performance. If you speak, uh, you know, non-confident, I'll give you an example. I remember, because I used to, for whatever reason, I and I was... Um, I was not always a super positive person, but when I, when I was playing hockey, I always used to encourage my team and I'd be like, guys, I'm like, I have a really good feeling that we're going to win this game tonight. I have a really, and I would always, and it kind of became a thing. And so I'd come into the locker room and be like, Marcy, what do you feel about tonight's game? And I'd be like, I got a feeling we're going to win this. Um, you know why? Because if I was to come into that locker room and say, guys, that other team is really good. They're going to crush us. Let's just try not to be embarrassed. Okay. So we're going out there. <laughs> just, just try to think about that. That we're going out there playing a good team with zero belief, zero belief that we could possibly even win. And I, and I would say this. I would say no team is unbeatable. I know they're good. I know they're the best team in the league. I know that. But they're not unbeatable. Nobody's unbeatable. Nobody, nobody it's, it's not impossible to beat them. You know, again, I'm not, I'm not denying the fact that they're good. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, guys, we have no chance. Uh, well, let's decide where we're going to eat after the game. No, I said, guys, we could do it. We could, and I became like the pep talk person. I don't know. I just, just kind of became that way. So there is an effect and a correlation. They call it 
um, the power of positive speech or the power of positive words. But that's a biblical thing. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so there would be, there would be some games where I would come in with a good pep talk and we would win. And then there would be other games um, that we wouldn't win. Um, but I'm going to tell you something. Do you want to know what the difference is between God and sports? The difference is God always wins. And you could take that to the bank. And I'm not giving you some kind of TED talk, pep talk, or sports psychology routine. I am telling you a truth that comes from the word of God. That God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that would change his mind. If he said it, he will do it. God always wins. We always have the victory with Jesus Christ. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a thing. It's not just in, in Christian circles. It, it's a thing. People understand the correlation. That when you're speaking something, when you're saying something, and how it affects you. Amen, Sophine. God is good. He is. And that's, that's exactly what I was saying earlier. You better figure it out, get it in your head that God is a good God, that God loves you. Now, I just, I want to address this because I know some people say, yeah, well, you know, um, you know, like, uh, I'm praying, I'm believing for this. I'm praying for it. Uh, but I haven't seen it happen yet. You know, I'm not sure. Listen, there's two instances that we see in the Bible where, or not more than two, but two I'm going to talk about tonight, where there wasn't an immediate answer. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 20. And I'm going to, and this is going to help you tonight. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 5. So this is about King Hezekiah. And he was sick. He became sick. And this is what the prophet Isaiah said to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you on the third day from now. You will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I think it's like a bowl or something. Or, or no, um, the, like a, a cream or a spread. They did so and applied it to the boil and he recovered. Hezekiah asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me? That I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now. Isaiah answered, this is what, this is the Lord's sign to you. That the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten, ten steps? Or shall it go back ten steps? It is a simple matter for the, the shadow to go forward ten steps, said Hezekiah. Rather, have it go back ten steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called upon the Lord. And the Lord made the shadow go back the ten steps. It had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. Anointment, thank you. <laughs> So the first instance we see is that God gave an instruction. And my question to you is, are you following the Lord's instructions? If God's telling you to do something, are you following it? 
Healing is cooperative. Healing is cooperative. I know a lot of people, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to call people out, but I've spoken to people. And you know, and I, I and they say, I'm having this problem, I'm having this problem. So I tell them from the word, this is what you are to do. This is what you need to do. And they come back to me in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, I'm like, did you do, you know, what I, what, what I suggested? Well, you know, and, and then I hear excuses. If God gives you an instruction, you follow that instruction. What happened? What happened? Isaiah said, prepare this ointment of figs. And he did. And he applied it to the boil. And what happened? He recovered. So God gave an instruction. And there's another one. Turn to John chapter 9. This is, let's go to New Testament. John chapter 9. Verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. The work of God, by the way, was his healing, not his infirmity. As long as it is the day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when, when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That, there is so much to draw from this. We're talking about a physical infirmity that requires healing. And then Jesus goes on to say, as long as it is day, we must do the work. We, it's not just Jesus, it's not just the apostles, it's we all who believe must do the work because Jesus is the light of the world. This was a physical infirmity that required healing. Having verse six, having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. I, I think, I feel like I'd be a little grossed out. Um, if I, if that happened to me, but anyways, it's Jesus is doing it. It's fine. I'm not sure that I, I actually saw a, a minister who did the same thing. I'm not sure that I would, um, Anyways, <laughs> it's a tough one. Um, verse 7, go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam, which this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Jesus gave him an instruction, go and wash in this pool. And he did it. Imagine if Jesus spit in his eyes. And then, and then he's like, go wash. And the man didn't wash. What would have happened? He would have been walking around with spit in his eyes. Still not seen. An instruction was given. You know when the Bible talks about um, that, that you'll have whatever you, you ask in faith. And if there's someone that needs to be forgiven, you need to forgive them. There is instruction. If, if God gives an instruction, it must be followed. So I encourage you to, to think about that for a minute. Are you cooperating with God in what you're believing him for? Yeah, my dad brings out uh, uh, the story of Haman. He had to go dip, he, which he, he, he didn't want to do, but he had to go dip himself in the Jordan seven times. God's instructions, they might not always make sense, but you must, if there's an instruction, you have to follow it. So there might be something that God is telling you to do, something that you've been disobedient about. Get that straight. Get that straight. Figure that out. And then the second instance is in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12. 
So this is the angel speaking to Daniel. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. Oh, sorry, Naaman. My bad. Thank you, Sheba. I said Haman. They sound the same. Um, So what happened with Daniel? He prayed and his answer happened immediately. But the angel says, I was detained by the the prince of the Persian kingdom. In other words, he was detained by the enemy. And it took 21 days to get the answer to Daniel. I'm going to tell you something tonight. The enemy might be trying to get in the way of your breakthrough. But I can guarantee you something. That the moment that request leaves your mouth. And the moment that you speak it in faith. Then you know that your answer has been settled. It's already settled in heaven. And now it's a matter of taking it from the the supernatural and bringing it down into the supernatural realm so don't ever think if it doesn't happen two seconds later that your prayer has not been answered and that's what a lot of people do well I I prayed and then when did you pray well I prayed yesterday and uh, you know listen that we know something there is an enemy out there what did you what did God say in uh, Malachi chapter 3 I will rebuke the devourer There is a devourer that would try to come and eat up your harvest and try to eat up your breakthrough. But you must believe that victory will always come. That in the same way that by the time that Jesus got to the tomb of Lazarus, he was already dead. But all he had to do was speak and Lazarus Lazarus came to life. I'm going to tell you something. If there's something dead in your life, it is coming back in Jesus' name. Believe that. It's guaranteed. Daniel's answer was one second was already there. But imagine if you just gave up. We give up very easily. Don't grow weary in well-doing, the Bible says. I believe things happen immediately. It happened plenty of times, but we also see instances. Like I said, in Hezekiah, he had to do something first. Jesus told that man, okay, I did that, but now you need to go wash. He gave an instruction. And then other times it happened immediately. But what does all of these stories have in common? What do all of these stories have in common? The promise always happened. The promise always happened. Sometimes it was instant. Sometimes it took a bit of time. Sometimes there needed to, there was an instruction that needed to be followed, but the promise always came to pass because it's impossible for the promises of God to not come to pass. I'm telling you, whatever dead situation you're facing right now, Jesus is going to bring it back to life. Now let's get to the actual, <laughs> that was a very a long way um, to get to the actual song lyric that I'm addressing tonight and this is the chorus of the song and this chorus been rolling around in my head and driving me nuts because I'm like I don't want to confess this it's not even true it's not biblical and the the lyric says 
the enemy may take something, but he can't take my worship. Okay. It's a nice thought. Well, you know what? No one's ever going to take my worship. I'm going to keep worshiping God no matter what. My question is to whoever wrote this song, and I don't know who wrote the song. Why are you allowing the enemy to take something that doesn't belong to him? He's not allowed to come in and just take things that are already guaranteed and promised to be yours in Christ. Why is the enemy taking something? Why are you allowing him to steal something from you? You know, it's just, it's such a Christian, oh, you know, the enemy may take something, but you know, he won't take my worship. Okay, great. We know the enemy's a thief. Says so in John 10, 10, when Jesus says the enemy comes, what? But to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The thief comes. He's a thief. We already know that. So if we know that, why do you allow the devil to take something that is yours in Christ Jesus? Turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe and the evil one cannot harm him why is the enemy taking something he's not allowed i'm going to tell you something guys one thing that i have noticed is that christians have lost their fight they've lost their fight to rise up against everything that the devil would try to put against them and they just they just let they're like oh you know what well this will just pass you know um yeah I'm, you know i'm just a little under the weather you know say this Say this, I'm not under the weather, I'm under the blood. Say it, write it, post it somewhere. When the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong, don't say stuff like that. Guard your confession. I might feel a certain way right now, but God's doing a work in me, then I'm not going to feel that way anymore. I don't know if, if that's speaking to any one of you right now. But those are the things that you have to say. Guard your confession. I'm not under the weather, I'm under the blood. We know that we are children of God. And that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know that. See, again, this is no shock. We know the enemy's out there. We know it. I know it. You know it. We know. The, 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 but the key is and the reality is for us. We cannot allow him. To come in and steal. What does the Bible say about the devil? He says he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's a, he's a devourer. What, what, what did we see in Malachi chapter 3 that I, that I mentioned earlier? That God will, he said, I will rebuke the devourer. So if you think for one second that there's no way out, that, well, you know, the world's under control of the evil one. There's no way out for us. Then you're not reading the entire scripture. We also know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. You are in Christ. 
The devil's not allowed to touch you. The evil one cannot harm you unless you let him. The only way that the enemy has access into your life, well, one of the ways, obviously sin opens the door to the enemy coming into your life. Yeah, I'm in 1 John chapter 5. Sin opens the door to the enemy. But another way is you allowing the enemy to take something that isn't his to take. It doesn't belong to him. You are in Christ. And we are in him who is true. Even in his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. It's interesting that John puts that in there at the end. Why? Because idols made of human hands can do nothing for you. So get rid of them. Stay away from them. Keep your eyes on Jesus. What does the book of Hebrews says? Keeping our eyes on Jesus Our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know, I I, I tell this story all the time. It's one of my favorites to tell, um, to talk about. When Peter was walking on water, it was all good until he looked to the right and to the left. He took his eyes off of Jesus. And when you take your eyes off of Jesus, that's when you begin to sink. So if you're singing and confessing stuff, oh, the enemy might take something. No, he isn't allowed. Um, so a couple months ago, so I'm part of um, a Facebook group. And it's like a bunch of people that live in my town. And like some of the stuff on there is just funny. Like people are always complaining about stuff. Like, you know, the snow removal guy didn't come yet. Or like, you know, um, uh, Someone's making noise or whatever, which is fine because I don't like people that make noise. But one, but sometimes it's helpful things. And they they were letting people know there was a, a man who was dressed up in like a um, like a, like a constru- not a construction uniform, but like it looked like a uniform, like a worker, like some kind of worker, right? And he was going door to door, and he was telling people that he had to come and check your electrical panel. To make sure that that ever, something about the electrical panel, um, yeah, Jill. I think a lot of uh, of towns have that. It's it's sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's funny, but it can be helpful. And so they're warning people, you know, if this guy comes to your door and says, um, you know, that he has to come in to check the electrical panel, don't um, don't don't let him in because he's he's coming in to rob you. It's a scam. And so they put even like kind of like a. a a description of what he looked like and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I'm like, good to know. And so I was home. I was uh, home by myself because my husband was at work and I'm, I'm in my office and the doorbell rings and, and, and I get all like, oh, I bet that's the guy. So I, I, I grab my baseball bat because I keep a baseball bat here in the office with me. So I grab my baseball bat and I go upstairs. And I'm like, I had the baseball bat. Like, if you, like picture like if you ever seen a player holding a baseball bat. I had the bat on my shoulder and I was ready to go. For some reason, I know I'm, I'm kind of a small person and whatever. And maybe I don't seem very scary. But for some reason in crisis, I get boldness. And I don't know where it comes from the Lord. But I was re- I had that bat and I was ready to take this guy's head off. If, so, <laughs> so I opened the door. 
<laughs> and it turns out it was um, a kid selling chocolate for a fundraiser. <laughs> and then I felt really bad that I was ready to like take a swing. And so I ended up buying his chocolate because I felt bad. Um, but by the way, these chocolates, they used to be like two bucks. It was $7 for this chocolate. Like, I, anyways, but I felt bad because I, I don't know if like, I, I feel like I'm there with a bat and this kid's at the door with the, this box like looking at me like, and I didn't know what he said because he was speaking in French. So to be honest, I don't know what I gave my money to. Some He was raising money for something. I, I don't know. Um, so I, I bought the chocolate and um, the guy, <laughs> the guy never came, never ended up coming. Yeah, I agree, Steph. The, the kids with the chocolate is probably a scam as well. Um, I, <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, seven dollars. I don't know. But again, he said something in French. No idea. Um, no idea what it was. But anyways, but I, I was ready. Um, maybe it was a baseball team. Um, I was ready. Guys, let me tell you something. Just because the enemy rings your doorbell doesn't mean you have to let him in. And if he tries, you have a baseball bat called the word of God ready to take his teeth out and the blood of Jesus ready to cover you in the mighty name of Jesus. So don't ever allow the devil to come on a territory that he's not permitted to come because we're blood bought with Jesus's precious blood and the enemy's not allowed to come in. It doesn't matter. Whether he rings that doorbell, it doesn't even matter if he tries to force his way in because he's not allowed in where a child of God is. The blood is on the door and the, the, <laughs> the devourer is not allowed to come into this house. And I want you to remember that and never forget it. And every time you see a baseball bat, you're going to remember because the enemy, I think Evangelist Jonathan says, the enemy can send you a package, but you don't have to sign for it. Stop accepting things that is not your portion in Christ. Don't accept something that God doesn't have for you. But because you see other people, well, you know, um, you know, my friend got sick. Okay, whatever. That doesn't have to be you. Oh, you know, um, You know, I, I gave him the offering and nothing happened. Okay, it's not going to be you. I know what the word says. I like the baseball bat's right there. I almost feel like I can't, I'm like, the way that I'm sitting, I'm kind of stuck. I would have to move everything, but I, I, I should have, I should have had the, the bat next to me right here because that would have been funny. You know, it doesn't have to be you. You. And I believe that God is going to restore that fight in you to have a, 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 a holy disgust for the things of the enemy, a holy disgust for the things that aren't from God, for what the enemy will try to come in and steal and kill and destroy that he's not allowed to take. No one's allowed in this house if I don't let them. If someone comes in this house, it's because I've allowed them to come in. Well, Sheba, it would be, except this is a football team. <laughs> oh, man. All I'm going to say is this. I'm not going to, like, um, say too much 
But my husband always says that it's a good thing we don't live in America. Because if we lived in America, I might, I would have something more than a baseball bat. <laughs> but anyways, that's all I'm going to say. Whatever the Lord says is yours, is yours. And no one's allowed to take it from you, especially not the enemy. He's not permitted. This house. Turn to Psalm 91. Turn to Psalm 91 before we close. And I know that I've read this a lot of time. Yeah, my dad brings up a good point. Why John says to keep away from idols. Because it opens the door to the enemy. Don't open the door. I should have called the broadcast that. Don't open the door to the enemy. Don't allow yourself to become it and your house to be robbed. You don't, you don't allow it to happen. Oh, you know, the devil's really attacking. Then attack back. And again, it's like, it's like I read, there are things that there's instructions that are to be fault. The Bible is a book of instruction. So if God's telling you to do something, do it. Don't wonder, well, I haven't received my miracle yet. Well, then there must be an instruction that you're not following. Let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. Psalm 91. Verse 9. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways that they, that, uh, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. It can't get any clearer than that. And that's why it's like, you know, that's why I keep a bat to protect my house. Nothing's coming in this house. You're not allowed. And that means physically and that means everything. Spiritually. Things that aren't allowed to come in this house, I don't let it. I don't open the door. They could try all they want. Try to come in through the window. Can't come in. It's like we have a holy alarm system. You know, I remember um, when I was a teenager. If you've, ever, if you've ever been robbed, it's a very unsettling thing very unsettling you feel like you feel violated to be honest that someone was in your house um you know going through your stuff when i was a teenager our house was was broken into and robbed and i remember after that <laughs> after that like half the church got an alarm system that alarm company must have made a ton of money off of our church because <laughs> i was like oh we gotta get an alarm system um, but you know, the Bible even talks about, um, 
You know, Jesus likens his coming to a thief that you don't know they're coming. And he says in the scripture, he says, if you knew that someone was going to be coming to rob you, you would, you would do something about it. You would protect yourself. If you knew the thief was coming, you would be ready. We are We should be more than ready to know how to come against what the enemy tries to do in our life. We should be more than ready because we have the sword of the spirit and the word of God and the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. This body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and where the Holy Spirit dwells, darkness is not allowed in. So if the devil knocks and says, hey, uh, I got a little package for you. Say, take it back. Send back to sender. I'm not taking it. I don't accept it. Because I don't accept something that is in the covenant that is not for me. And that's why it's so important to know God, to understand him, to know his nature, to know what he wants for you. Because if you don't know, then you're going to sing those kind of songs. Because you don't know. And it just sounds good. Well, you know. And people sing that stuff all the time. But I pray a Psalm 91 blessing over every single person who's watching here today. Let me read the, I didn't read the, the first few. Verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. And my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fouler snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side. 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Those things will not come near you. They're not allowed to come near you. Make up your mind and say, devil, you don't even need to speak to the devil. He's not even worth speaking to, but I, 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 you're not allowed here. Yeah, return to sender. You could take that and take it back to hell where you got it from because it's not allowed here. You need that fight in you. You know, the Bible talks about that the, the, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You take what's yours by force because it's in your covenant. Don't be like those spies with their bad report and their bad confession and everything that they were afraid of came on them. They died from the plague and they never entered the promised land. But God is your shield. He's your refuge. He's your strong tower. That's who God is. And if God said it, he'll do it. And if whatever Jesus died for, you don't have to carry it anymore. And so if the enemy tries to put it back on your shoulders, you just remind him and remind yourself it's already on Jesus' shoulders and his shoulders can carry the entire world. And all the governments. Think about that. Those are big shoulders. So I, pr I pray this over you today. That anyone under the sound of my voice. 
Whatever it is. I mean, I know we kind of always go to sickness by default because that's the most common thing, but it's not just, it could be anything. It could be anything that is trying. See, I said trying to come against you. That is not supposed to be there. I pray that you would take the instruction from this word, that you allow your faith to be built up, that you would look at that mountain and say, be removed and cast into the sea. And you would look at that giant and say, you're not in covenant with God, but I am. I'm going to hit you in the forehead and then I'm going to chop off your head and I'm going to carry it around like a, like a trophy. And that's literally what David did. Think about that. Whoever the enemy is, whatever the enemy is, whatever would try to come against your life. I believe now in the name of Jesus that you're seeing those strongholds break, that you're seeing those chains break, that you're seeing those walls coming down. Why? Because we serve a great and powerful God, the almighty God who can do all things. And that we can do all things through him, who, through him who gives us strength. If you're watching me tonight and you're not in covenant with God and you want to be, and you're, you're saying, and I, I, I got to make my life right with Christ. You know, I, I tweeted this earlier today and I said, if you don't tell people about hell, then you're playing a part in them going there. And I don't want anybody to go to hell. Hell is a real place and it's a place of torment. That people do not belong. God doesn't want to send people there. But if you don't accept Christ in your life and follow him by faith, then that ends up being your fate. But it doesn't have to be. That's the great news. The good news of the gospel. It is good news. And the good news is you don't have to go there. And the good news is, like Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, that I have come to give you life. And life more abundantly. If that's you and you're like, yeah, I got to get saved. I got to, I got to figure this out. Pray this prayer out loud out of your mouth. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you will be saved. So pray this prayer out loud. I'm going to, I, I do this to help you because a lot of people have never prayed before. So this is, this is just to help them. Say, Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and my Savior. I choose to follow you and not turn back. Thank you that I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please message this account. Please message this account and let us know. We're going to send you a Bible and welcome to the family of God.